heading out to Children's Church this morning, four years old through the fourth grade. I can't tell you how many times during the last eight weeks the thought has gone through my mind. I wish everyone in the whole world could just hear a simple Bible message on a passage of scripture that the world needs more than anything else. This pandemic we've been experiencing It's changed so many things. It's caused so many people to think things they never thought they would ever think about or imagine. It's caused more fear, more uncertainty, more frustration, more worry, more anger, more whatever than anything I've experienced in my 75 years as far as what's going on in the world. And I feel so badly for the people everywhere who don't know Christ who have no idea what's in the Bible. And every time, for what, two months now, every time, I check on the news on my phone. Or maybe 5.30 at night, you go home and you grab a quick bite to eat. Usually for me, you go back, grab a quick bite to eat because you're coming back to church for some reason. It's like, okay, maybe we can just kind of catch up on the news because I haven't watched too much news today. So you turn on, don't ever turn on ABC World News tonight at 5.30. I mean, that'll just kill your meal. So you go over to Channel 4, it's not a whole lot better. Go to Channel 9, it's like, oh, man. And, and it's like day after day after day I keep thinking, I wish everyone could hear a simple Bible message because there's something in the Bible that is a whole lot more important than anything we're experiencing. I think about Nicodemus, this ruler of the Pharisees, the ruler of the Jews. He's a Pharisee, he's a ruler of the Jews. The Bible says he came to Jesus at night. I don't think he came at night because he was afraid to come in the daytime or what people might think. I think he came at night because he really wanted to have a personal word with the Lord. I believe he really wanted to have a conversation with Christ and he knew that during the day he was like about impossible with all the people, all the crowds. I think he personally wanted, to, wanted a hearing with Christ. And so he goes to Christ at night. He's very respectful. He's very polite. He's very complimentary. And he says, Rabbi, sir, master, leader, teacher, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except, can you finish it? He said, except God be with him. He did not recognize Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. He did not recognize Jesus as God in human flesh. But he did know that he must be sent from God. He was surely a man of God. He was sure a prophet of God, a teacher of God. He had some connection with God, that God was with this man. And he says, we know that you must be a teacher come from God because no one can do these miracles that you are doing unless God is with you. That's his opening words to Christ. He must have been startled and shocked 
at our Lord's immediate response. For the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, honestly, Nicodemus had no idea what he was talking about. He had no clue. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. By the way, what he said to Nicodemus, he says to you today. He says to everyone in the world today, unless you get born a second time, unless you get born from above, unless you have a physical birth followed by a spiritual birth, you will never see the kingdom of God. And in those next few verses, Jesus and Nicodemus converse about this subject of being born again. And if you read those verses, you'll see very quickly, Nicodemus was absolutely confused. Interested? Yes. Very interested. Very sincere. Very inquisitive. But totally confused. And finally, he comes to the place where he says, Master, how can these things be? He says that in absolute frustration. How can these things be? And Jesus continues to explain to him the why and the how of the new birth in words that he can surely understand. And by the way, words that you can understand. You're watching today on Facebook Live because you couldn't be here. You could have been here. I wish you'd have been here, okay? But if you can't be here, you can't be here. I hope, hope you're watching. Maybe you live someplace else and you're watching today. Listen, you can understand Jesus' words to Nicodemus because he brings to Nicodemus' mind a story that Nicodemus knew very, very well. In fact, he probably had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized word for word. Many of these Pharisees, these truly religious leaders amongst the Jews, many of them, this is hard to believe, but I've read it so many times, it must be true. Many of them had the entire Old Testament. How do you have the entire Old Testament memorized? That's, they, that's, they just learned the scriptures. So Jesus takes Nicodemus back to a passage of scripture that he knew very, very well. And he does it for one reason. So he can quit saying, how can these things be? And say, I see it. Would you go first with me to our text in the New Testament? Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Would you follow along as I read verses 14 through 18? And don't miss a word. Don't miss a word, please. Think. What is Jesus saying? How can these things be? I want to know how to be born again. If I can't go back into my mother's womb, which I know I can never do and be born, then so how can I get back and start over? What do I do to get born again? And here's what Jesus says, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Would you look again, please, at verses 14 and 15. And as Moses, just like Moses, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Would you go back, please, to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Back to Numbers, please, chapter 21. What is the story to which Jesus is referring? The story that obviously this man had completely memorized. He knew it well. Numbers 21, beginning at verse 1. And when King Arad, the Canaanite which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way that set up a problem. The soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They're traveling now from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan. Verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he might take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. It shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and he put it upon a pole. It came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And what did Jesus say? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. Would you go back, please, now to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Do you need to be saved today? Do you want to be saved from your sin? Do you want to have everlasting life? And by the way, you don't get eternal life after you die. You don't have eternal life while you're alive. You'll never get it after you die. Eternal life is not heaven. That's not eternal life. Eternal life is the very life that God is himself. That God puts within any person who repents of his sin and puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the moment of turning to Christ and looking to Christ, he receives that very second eternal life, everlasting life. And that's why the Bible says in 1 John, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The Israelites had a problem here. It was a sin problem. And sin always brings punishment. And by the way, this is interesting. Not everyone was bitten with a serpent that day. Kind of reminds me. Not everybody got the coronavirus or is getting it or will get it. Hundreds? Thousands? Yes, but not everybody. So some people don't even have to think about a cure because they didn't get it and they won't get it. But that's not the way it is with sin. Romans 3.10. As it is written... There is none righteous. No, no, not even one. Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. You know the verse, say it with me. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can I ask you a question? Who's all? Everyone. See, everyone did not get, is not, doesn't have today, or will get this coronavirus. No, not everyone. Many will, not everyone. Most people won't get it. There's the Bible message for all mankind. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, you have to catch the virus. I was working out yesterday at the gym. And there's more people walking around there with spray bottles, spraying. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. I thought I was going to die with a spray. I mean, all the rules you have to go through to use the equipment before you start and when you finish. And, and about every other machine has is, is got a t- sign, can't use it now. You've got to keep six feet away on the machines. And all, all the ones I wanted have the signs on them, you know. And these people walking around there with their masks on, spraying every which way, spraying all the stuff, wiping all off, spraying all spraying the carpet, spraying here. I mean, spray me. I mean, it's like, you know, we, you, we don't want you to catch the virus. You know what David said one day? Psalm 51 Verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What does that mean? His mom committed great sin and he got born? No, 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 no. He wasn't born because his mom committed adultery. He was born a sinner. We're born sinners. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You say, Larry, when did you become a sinner? When I was conceived. Nobody had to teach me how to lie. 
my dad one day to say, okay, son, you're five years old now. I think you can understand the difference between lying and truth. So let me teach you how to tell the truth. Let me, in fact, let me teach you how to lie. Because you're going to be confronted with this. No, nobody had to teach me how to lie. I know how to lie. Nobody had to teach me to have an, a, a God more important than God of the Bible. Nobody had to teach me how to be lazy. Nobody had to teach me how to disobey my dad and dishonor my mother. Nobody had to teach me how to think dirty thoughts, nasty thoughts. And you can take any and every sin there is. People just do it on their own. They don't have to be taught because we're born sinners. So not everybody gets the virus. But everybody's got this problem called sin. I'll tell you something else. Because they didn't all get the virus, they didn't all die. But the Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Unless there's a remedy provided and you take advantage of God's remedy, you're going to die. What, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The paycheck, that which we get, that which we get, which, which we deserve because of our sin. I mean, it's death. We already quoted what, Romans 5, 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So, I mean, there is death coming. And then there's this thing called judgment. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this, the judgment, that's real, that's Bible, it's coming. And then there's this place called hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell, the Bible says. That's what, Psalm 9, 17, I think? 17, 9, one or the other. And then there's Revelation 20, verse 11. And whosoever, see, same whosoever found in John 3, 14, 15, 16, is also in Revelation 20, 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake fire. Can I ask you a question? You believe in hell? I don't think there's a lot of people in the world today that even believe in hell anymore. If I'm going to believe in heaven, I have to believe in hell. The same Bible that tells me about how wonderful heaven is and will be forever is the same Bible that tells us about this place called hell. And it's real and it's forever. Jesus talked about hell a whole lot more than he ever talked about heaven. And yet people want to believe in heaven, but nobody wants to believe in hell. Whether we believe it or not, it's not, going to change a, it's not going to change a thing. Listen, I'm telling you, if you die without the remedy, if you die without the Savior, if you die without God's cure, as long as God is true, and as long as the Bible is the word of God, and these things are fixed forever, I have to tell you, you are going to hell. I don't know what to do but tell you that. And I'm going to tell you this. If you really believed in a literal, eternal hell, for every person who's not saved before he dies, you would want to hear every single word of the rest of this message. If you're here in the auditorium, nothing would distract you. If you're watching Facebook Live, no, you'd forget all the other distractions that you can have at your house that you don't get in church. And you would tune it all out. And you would say, oh, 
God, I need to hear the rest of the message because I know I am a sinner. I know I'm convinced of that. I have not always obeyed your word, the Bible. I've come short. I don't surely match up to the person of Jesus Christ. I've missed the mark. I'm a sinner. I know that. Oh, now there's death coming and there's judgment coming and there's hell coming for me. What must I do to be saved? Oh, Numbers 21 tells us how to be saved because God gave provision. Right now, there's no cure yet for the coronavirus. We all hope there will be. Whenever there seems to be something, some advancement toward a, a vaccine, a vaccination, or a cure, I mean, what happens to the stock market the day? Would you tell me, please? Say, whoa, praise the Lord. And then they say, well, the test didn't prove what we thought they'd prove. It's like up and down. It's all, we're waiting for the vaccine. We're, we're waiting for the cure. You know, God's already provided a cure for our sin. He already did that. So everyone is a sinner. But everyone has the opportunity to be cured, to be forgiven, to be healed, to have all of your sins gone, forgiven, like you never, ever committed a one of them. Thoughts, words, and deeds, gone. And God's Spirit comes to live in your body because God's Spirit is God himself, you become the recipient, the possessor of everlasting life. God's already done that. You say, how do you know? Well, what did Jesus say? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, just like that, even so, must the Son of Man, he called himself the Son of Man more than he ever called himself the Son of God. Why? to emphasize that although he was absolutely God, he was also man, fully God and fully man in the same body. Amen? How'd that happen? This thing called the virgin birth. See, he wasn't born a sinner like everybody else who's ever been born on planet Earth. He had no sin nature because he was born when the Holy Spirit implanted the seed in Mary's womb. Amen? Christmas on Memorial Day weekend. Praise the Lord. And then he lived a sinless life. Never one time ever a wrong thought crossed his mind. Never ever one time did a wrong word come out of his mouth. Never did he ever, with his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, any part of his body, never ever did he do one wrong deed. Why? So he could go to the cross as the sinless son of God and take upon, listen now, take upon himself all of the judgment of the world so we could be saved. You see, that's what that serpent of brass was a type or a symbol or a picture of. There's that serpent of brass up on this pole. It speaks of judgment. It's a message in itself. Why the serpent of brass speaks of judgment. There is Jesus. Never sin, no sin. Hanging on a cross. 
What does he say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why would God ever forsake his own son? Romans 8, 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He did not deliver him from the cross. He delivered him up to the cross so that he could be, so to speak, the brazen serpent. That if anybody says, you know, I have a problem. I'm a sinner. I'm going to die. I'm going to be judged. I'm going to go to hell. Is there any hope for me? Somebody says, yes, there's hope for you. You can look to the Savior. He already bore your sin. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth or has proven, demonstrated, he has shown his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, say it with me, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he, God, hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 1 Peter 2, 24, speaking of Jesus Christ, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. What did the, the prophet say, Isaiah? Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him, the Messiah, the what? The iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are what? We're healed. So that's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, oh, you can't figure out how to be born again? Let me just tell you, it's real easy. If you want to be born again, Nicodemus, you can be. It's real simple. It all comes down to one word. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on a cross. That whosoever, what? Believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. What was the word we read back in Numbers 21? A serpent of brass is made and put upon a pole in the middle of the camp. And God says, if you want to be healed of your snake bite and you don't want to die, it's real simple. Here's what you do. You tell me, please. What do you have to do out loud? You just have to look. How hard is it to look? What is it? Isaiah 45, I think, 22 or 32. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, God says. For I am God and there's none else. There's an old gospel song called Only a Look. It's a wonderful song. Because it's not hard to look if you want to be, if you want to be saved. And listen... You can, you can let Satan throw your mind into a frenzy. You can come up with any kind of reason, all kinds of reasons. Listen, not everybody probably looked that day. But we do know one thing. Every person who looked was healed. 
what was it? I think I jotted down verse 9. Came to pass that Fanny Pam, here it is. Okay, if I haven't looked at my notes since I started, might as well not even look at these things. Forget them. Okay. Came to pass if anybody was bitten by a serpent, when he looked upon the, when he looked upon the serpent of brass, he what? He lived. That's why we just sang, look and live, look and live. Now, in the Old Testament, there the word is look, just look. Did Jesus use the word look in John 3? No. Do you find that word look about being saved probably anywhere in the New Testament? Not that I know, but please don't. Some of you guys with your phones, not now, when you get home. Just wait till you get home, okay? But there is one word in the New Testament that Jesus used, the apostles used, over and over and over and over again. So that looking in Numbers 21 at the brazen serpent is the same as what in the New Testament? Believing. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, what, looketh to him? No, it means the same. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hasn't looked, because he hasn't believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What did Jesus say in John 5, 24? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Oh, John 6, 30, John 6, 40, what did Jesus say? This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up the last day. What did Jesus say to Martha? John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and what looketh, no, whoever lives and believes in me, live forever. Never die eternally. What did Paul and Silas say to the Philippian jailer when he cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did they say, look to Jesus? They could have. means the same. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So I don't think there's any more important question you can ever ask yourself than this question. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean? You know what it really means? It means to look in faith. What does it really mean? To believe means to trust. You don't care about the Greek word. If you do, it's pistuo. Pistuo. And it doesn't mean to know something intellectually. That's where it starts. You've got to know something in order to trust something. So you've got to hear the facts. What are the facts? I'm a sinner. I'm going to be dead one day. I'm going to face God in judgment. I'm going to hell. Jesus is God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, 
died as the sinless son of God for me, took my sins, took my judgment, was buried, rose again the third day from the grave, went back to heaven. He lives at the Father's right hand. He's going to come back one day. Listen, he will save me. He will forgive my sins. He will give me eternal life. All I have to do is believe. Right. What does that mean? Put your trust in. Rely upon. Rest in. Put your confidence in. That's what it means. We do it all the time. You go to the bank on Monday morning. You give them your check. You entrust it to them like they're going to take care of it, okay? They're not going to spend it. You go to the doctor because you're sick. Grabs this little piece of paper, scribbles out something you can't read. You don't know how a pharmacist can ever read it. You take it on down to Walmart or Walgreens. You give it to the lady there, the guy there, and he fills this little thing out, you know, 10 hours later, whatever. You got your prescription. And what do you do? You take it home, open the bottle, and you take two pills. Really? How you know it's not poison? You just take the doctor's word for it. Trust the pharmacist. We, we trust people all the time. People tell us something, and we say, do I believe him or not? I think I can trust her. Here we go. That's how we live. Why can't we trust God? God who never lies. God who is absolute truth. Why can't we trust? How hard should it be to trust Jesus Christ when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? That's what he said. He can't lie. What is it? Titus 1, 6, I believe. In hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before the world even began. God who cannot lie. You see, God said to the Israelites one day, oh, you got a problem? You deserve it. You've been in sin. You got a problem? You've been bitten? You know you're going to die? Hey, look, just look at the brazen serpent and you will live. And somebody crawls outside of his tent. He said, I don't know if this is going to work or not. What choice do I have? I don't want to die. This is what God's messenger said. So are you okay? So listen, I'm not going to put this off any longer. I mean, who knows what all excuses they had? Who knows what went through all their minds? Oh, it's not that bad. I think I can make it on my own. My friend's got another plan here. No, whatever the reason was, it didn't work. But somebody says, I'm going to look. I'm going to believe that what God says is true. And it takes a look of faith. God says, whoever beheld the serpent of brass lived. And I'm telling you, what Jesus says in this passage of scripture is just as true today. So forget all the lies of Satan. Forget all the lies of your friends. Forget all the better plans somebody's telling you about him. A different way you can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And Peter one day said these words in Acts chapter 4. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Jesus gave Nicodemus these wonderful words. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So why wouldn't you trust the Lord? You've got nothing to lose, but everything to gain. Why would you gamble with your soul? You say, well, someday when I get older, you know, I... No, no. How do you know you're going to get older? What does the Bible say? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. When I was, what, 16 years old? Coming home from high school, riding my bike, coming home from work. Head on, hit by a car, driven by my Sunday school teacher. I was in love, you know, with his daughter. He was trying to kill me. No, he was okay. <laughs> and I go flying over the top of his car and I land down in a ditch someplace. And the doctor told my parents that night I came within 30 seconds of dying. I was not 92 and a half years old. I was 16, maybe 15. And you're going to wait and maybe someday when you get thinking about it more, no, you'll never, you may never be closer to being saved than you are right now because you've heard the truth of the Son of God who was trying to help a very religious but lost man know how to be born again. And he just couldn't figure it out. And Jesus said, let me help you. Bow your heads, please, if you will. Do you see? I hope you do. Why I've lived with this message for about eight weeks. Just wishing people could hear it. Every person... I get a letter from a missionary. Got one yesterday. He said, we live in a town of 300,000 people. We're in lockdown. Everybody is just frantic, hoping that they don't get the virus. He said, so far, no one in our country has died. And I'm thinking, when I read that, I'm thinking, what if that changes? And it comes to that country big time. And hundreds or thousands die. I wish they could hear John 3, 14 through 18. Because that's a whole lot more important than a virus coming to your country. Because all people are sinners. On the way to hell. God's provided a cure. It's finished. He did it all. Jesus paid it all. So what have you done with Christ? Have you received him? If you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven and not hell? Do you have a Bible basis for what you believe is your salvation experience? How about it? The question is, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you ever one time seen yourself as a lost, condemned sinner? 
turned your eyes to the Christ of the Bible. And having read who he is and what he has done for you, you said, he's all I need. I'm not trusting anyone or anything else. I'm putting my faith in Christ. If you haven't done that, why don't you do it right now? You're not saved by praying. We're saved by looking to Christ. If anybody said something that day as they looked at the servant, that wasn't the magic thing. It was the look of faith that saved them. Sometimes we express our faith in a prayer. That's just how we talk to God. So why don't you right now in the auditorium or at home, wherever you are, why don't you bow your head and bow your heart and admit to God that you are a sinner deserving his judgment that's coming. Why don't you thank him for sending his only begotten son to die for you? Why don't you thank him for showing that what he did was accepted because you raised him from the dead, brought him back to your right hand in heaven? Why don't you tell God you're glad for that? Because a dead Jesus can't save anybody. And then why don't you in your own words tell God you're going to trust his son right now. You're going to put all your weight, so to speak, on him. You're going to put all your reliance, all your trust, all your confidence, your faith, you're going to put it in him. Say, Jesus, Lord, I trust you right now. Forgive my sins. Give me eternal life. And then change my life. I'm going to live for you. You died for me. You saved me today. I'll live for you. It's no promise to live for him that saves you. He will help you do that. Just look and live. Just look and live. Pray that prayer.